Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. We're so glad to see you guys. I, I notice uh, the colder it gets, kind of the fewer people we have at 9 o'clock. It's like, you know, but we live in South Dakota, right? Thank you, Lord, for the snow. Let's lift him up. Two, three, four. Hey, anybody ready for Christmas? Come on. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plain, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous scream. Glory, 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 
girls, I think you should lead the congregation in that chorus. One in more time, chorus? just kind of slowly. Absolutely.
Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Everyone may be seated. So good to be together in the house of the Lord. I got to tell you, I'm just so encouraged. Uh, this morning, uh, there's a, a precious uh, woman sitting right behind me, Lucille Dye, and I, I just, I think about the, the coming together and how that encourages us. And I, Lucille, I'm so encouraged by you being here, and I think about all the years that you've just faithfully come to worship our Savior, and just that he's worthy, isn't he? He's worthy. He's so worthy. Thank you for being here. So blessed. And I also was just thinking about, as we were singing that song, The Wise Men, you know, they traveled for uh, hundreds of miles, maybe even thousands of miles, to bring gifts to Jesus, the Son of God. And he's worthy. He's worthy of traveling thousands of miles. He's worthy of our gifts, everything we have. And one of the amazing things about Christmas to me is that it reveals the generosity of God, that God gave his Son. He laid aside the treasures of heaven to come and be born in a little stable. And so the mark of the people of God is this radical generosity, and it's beautiful. It shows up in how we use our time, how we use our, our lives to bless others, to give to others. And I am so thankful to be part of Rimrock Church because you guys are so generous, so giving, and I feel so blessed to be part of this body of Christ. God is doing amazing things in our midst, and I am uh, just, just so filled with joy this morning. Hey, if you're, well, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you to, to our community here. Our vision is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. He's changing all of us. None of us are exempt from it. <laughs> he's changing all of us, and he's working in us, and it's a good work that he's doing in us. There's a card in front of your seat, and if you haven't uh, shared your information, we would love to uh, invite you to fill that out, and uh, you can take it back to a little desk or um, in the entryway, or there's uh, some offering boxes back there. Just drop that in there so we can reach out to you and get to know you and, and uh, welcome you to our community. So we're coming into a wonderful uh, season of uh, Christmas and, and celebrating that, and I know many of you are planning family gatherings and things like that, but uh, as a church family, we feel it's important to take time to gather together to recognize the gift of Jesus Christ to our world. And so on December 24th at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m., we're going to be right here uh, gathering. And um, for us to, to do that, we want to welcome uh, new people um, who may be visiting us. And so there's opportunities in your bulletin, there's opportunities to serve on that uh, Christmas Eve service, whether it is uh, to greet, to welcome people, uh, to help with parking, to distribute some things. So, um, so if you have the freedom to serve that evening, we would love to, to hear from you about that. Also on your seats, there's some little cards. Um, there's an opportunity to invite people on in that service. We just want to share the good news about Jesus, and so we would love for you to join us in inviting uh, friends, neighbors, family members to come and join us in celebrating Jesus. It's going to be a wonderful night. The kids are preparing some songs on Wednesday night. Dave Sisson's getting the kids all ready to share some songs. It's going to be a beautiful night, and our theme this year is unstoppable joy. doesn't matter what happens. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And he's going to give us the strength uh, for today, for tomorrow, for the rest of our lives. Jesus has changed everything. And so we get to celebrate that. Well, would you join me in praying as we continue our worship this morning? Jesus, you are Lord, and you are worthy of our lives. And that's why 
we take the effort to, to come here because you've given so much more to us, more than we could ever repay. And so we recognize that Jesus, you are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all things because you are the Lord. You're the King of Kings. You're the great shepherd. You're the one who heals and restores and gives strength. You forgive and you are the source of all joy and peace. So Lord, the, the, the thing in my heart this morning is just that you said, Jesus, peace I give you, peace I leave you. And so Lord, as we worship, I pray your peace would flood our hearts and our lives. And no matter what's happening, no matter what we're facing, that, that joy and that peace would give us strength today for your glory. Amen.
back and sing that second verse. Let's do it. Is his peace, he delivers. Amen. Oh, Hannah, were you going to tell a joke? I had a joke. It's a good one. I certainly was not. <laughs> well, then I guess we better just sing a song. I think so. <laughs> so exciting to have Angie Van Pelt back with us singing, too.
Hey, I was just thinking, without any instruments, let's just sing that first verse together. Let's do that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven. Sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you that it has brought joy into this world that you sent Jesus to die for our foolishness, God. And as Nick comes up today, God, we know you've been whispering in his ear what you want us to hear, God. These aren't just words, Lord. This is a message from you to each of us. So just use Nick and open the eyes of our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, today we're wrapping up our series on the book of Philippians, and there are some key words that really stood out to me as I was preparing for this, and actually throughout the whole series as we have talked. Um, joy and peace are two fruits of the Spirit that are really pulled out in the book of Philippians. Uh, for me, a couple other key words have been prayer, uh, ponder, and practice in, in our scripture today. So if you have your Bibles or follow along, we're going to be reading Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, I believe it is. Uh, in the ESV, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, so do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I'm also going to read it in the message. And so, same part of scripture, but the message is, is paraphrased. And so, listen again and see which themes that uh, grab your heart or stick to you. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worry, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, notable reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. Set your mind on the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. 
things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you have heard and seen and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Let's pray. Living God, we come before you, and I, I got slides and notes. We got trees. I got a pulpit and a microphone. Uh, even wearing a tie today. Uh, but Father, we understand and recognize if you don't um, empower us to speak, it doesn't land. If you don't, by the Spirit, give us understanding, uh, we can't carry this out in wisdom. If you don't bless us with your grace and mercy in spite of our um, meek efforts, it won't change your lives, it won't impact the world, it won't further your kingdom. Jesus, I'm a, a poor boy too. Barumpa bum bum. Shall I play for you? So we come here with five loaves and two fish and ask that you would feed your people, that you would nourish us with your love and your power and your life. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We have some interesting... Um, encouragements in this piece of scripture. Uh, sometimes they might seem far-fetched. Uh, the title, joy, always, anxious for nothing. Uh, I don't know what your experience is. I've, I've, I've had joy in my life, and I've had anxiety in my life, but I haven't had joy always, experientially, and I haven't never had anxiety. Uh, so the question is, are these reasonable? Are these uh, reasonable encouragements? Can we actually experience what Paul is encouraging the Philippians and actually what Paul is encouraging us? In Philippians, he talks some about specific people. He name drops, he points out certain things. Uh, and then when it says rejoice in the Lord always, that word rejoice is plural. He's addressing all of the people of the church, even us this day. Rejoice always. We're going to throw a little equation up here. Uh, it's this. Pray plus ponder plus practice equals peace. Pray, ponder, practice equals peace. The government helped a lot of us out with their uh, payroll protection plan. Uh, we're going to compete with that with our own PPP plan today, okay? Pray, ponder, practice peace. I get to, this has been such a helpful message for me this week. I, I hope it is for you today. Uh, I can't believe how many times uh, I have had to or have received the grace to get peace after uh, stepping into to God's math problem here. So here's an example. Uh, I put the slides in the wrong order today. And so I could really lock in on that and obsess on that and worry about that. And maybe Levi is, I don't know. Uh, but instead, I thought, oh, wait a minute, I know, I know what to do. Um, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to set my mind or ponder that which is good in accordance with the Scripture. So thank you, God, that my shortcomings, my errors, my troubles uh, never, never, never um, stop your movement and your power in people's lives. I praise you that you work all things to the good, even a messed up slideshow, to conform us to the image of your Son. So God, we come before you with gratitude, knowing that you're going to work this out. And so peace comes, right? And I guarantee you, you've had multiple opportunities to do the same thing already today, and you will continue to have. 
Okay, so starting off, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So if we remember what Paul is going through here, where is he at? He's in prison. He just talked about conflict within the church. Earlier, he talked about conflict from outside of the church, persecution upon them. And yet, here Paul is saying, rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. So we understand and recognize there's no way he's talking about to rejoice only in circumstances. So if we're going to be able to rejoice at all times, in all circumstances, I think it must be attached to other things that are at all times, in, in all circumstances. So our joy must be tied to things that are constant and unchanging. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 48 says, the grass, wither, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So this is why it is so important. It doesn't say rejoice in good circumstances, although I think we should. It says rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. And to me, that is the key. Rejoice in the Lord, in who he is, and in your secure relationship with him. I, God, will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6, Hebrews 13.5. See, if we're going to say always rejoice, we need to attach it to things that mean the same. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8.38, there's no changing. Jesus in Matthew 28.20 says, I am with you always in all circumstances, at all times. Therefore, you can rejoice in all circumstances, at all times. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13. In Romans 8, 28, he causes all things to work to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, God's promise of consistency in our life the reality that he is unchanging, that he is everlasting, that his love never ends, that he is perfect in all of his ways, the psalmist declares, we sing about it. If that's true, then this is a reasonable request. If I attach my joy to who he is and the promises he's made, this is a reasonable request. Something that helped me, because I'm a little bit of a realist, uh, I recognize that there is trouble in the world. I recognize that there's problems. I recognize half the time I'm the trouble in the world, right? And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart or take courage. I have overcome the world. So he's not saying we're all just going to be smiles all the time. He's not saying you're not going to have grief or sorrow or pain or anger. All of those are throughout Scripture. Jesus experienced anger. Jesus wept. However, in the midst of the bad, there's always good. One of the pictures that helped me is I think of this river that's constantly flowing in one direction. That river is joy. It's constantly moving. Now there's some bad sprinkled in there, right? You think of a, a, a crushed water bottle that might get tossed in the river. You think of an old sandwich bag that gets thrown in there. Like there's some bad in the river. But the river is always carrying the bad. The good always carries the bad. Is it possible for us to see and experience and contemplate and consider the bad 
even in the middle of good things happening, even though the purposes of God will be sure to be accomplished. A couple interesting, uh, I think Paul pulls out some interesting things here. Earlier in the book, he makes a comment. He says uh, in Philippians 4.3, he, he says, those whose names are written in the book of life. So this idea of your name being written in the book of life, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And earlier in uh, the New Testament, in Luke 10, this is what it says, and this is talking about rejoicing. Luke 10, 19 and 20 says this, Behold, I have given you, Jesus is speaking, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the enemy, that nothing may hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So he's saying, I've given you all this authority. However, by contrast, what you can rejoice in is eternity. What you can rejoice in is sure promises that won't change. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can rejoice at all times in the Lord. Some of these sure promises, Philippians 1.25 says, the joy of your faith. So how are we going to experience joy? By faith. Faith looks through the problems to see the promises. Faith looks through the problems, they're there, to see the promises of God. Paul gives us a fabulous example of this, does he not? Earlier on in the letter, chapter 1, he talks about rejoicing as he's in prison. He's totally, he's unsure of his future. He's got a hunch he might get out, but he says, this will turn out for my deliverance, that Christ will be honored. And then he says this, whether by my death or by my life. Is Paul looking at circumstances there? Are changing circumstances what tether him to joy? Absolutely not. It's this eternal picture. It's the security in Christ. It's the everlasting promises of God. So Paul certainly was aware of the problems but he held on to the promises of God. The promises are held by a person. One of my favorite pieces of scripture is Ephesians 4.11. It says, The eternal purposes of God have been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purposes of God have been realized in Christ. Therefore, we can rejoice in the Lord if we're going to do it at all times. He goes on in our uh, piece of scripture here. He gives another encouragement or command. He says, let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. Reasonableness and gentleness. I was driving up here today, uh, Sturgis Road, early Sunday morning, not a lot of people out. A uh, sheriff makes a U-turn. Scary at first, right? Uh, and, and the deputy sheriff gets out, straps his gloves on. I didn't get to watch him do this because I had to get here on time. But he goes and he grabs this deer. There's a deer in the middle of the turning lane, in the middle of the road. And so he gets out, and I'm assuming he's pulling that to the side. Now, sheriffs have authority in our community. And this guy does the dirty work to keep us safe. That's gentleness. That's humility. A heart of humility produces service for others. We saw that in Philippians 2, the greatest example, when it says, 
Jesus did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and became a man, became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. He says, this is the picture. He showed us other pictures in Philippians. And today I get to see just a shadow of it. Meekness, humility, produces reasonableness, courtesy, and gentleness in service to others. Last night I was in a, uh, watching a freshman-sophomore girls basketball game, and there were two officials, and one of them made a call from a long ways away, and the other official was right there. And he blew a whistle, and he thought he was going to call an offensive foul. No player argued, no coach argued, no one in the fan stands even argued. And he stopped and he walked up to the other official. He had a conversation with her and he said, no foul. Now, I don't know about you, but to have an authority like an official carry humility like that, that guy's my hero now. He didn't have to do that. Many times with our authorities and with our title, we trumpet to serve ourselves. Selfish ambition, member. But yet, I got to see two pictures of laying aside their power, laying aside their authority, without external pressure to simply show reasonableness. It says, let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known to others at all times. This week, I had to uninvite a friend to a Christmas party. That could be awkward, that could cause some conflict. Philippians is talking about unity, remember? So he'd no longer had this board position, and the board was invited to the Christmas party, and so I invite him, and I have to call him and say, ooh, you're not invited. Two things really stuck out to me. His response was incredibly gentle, incredibly gracious. And the other thing that stuck out to me is I knew it would be. Because he has shown me a lifetime of kindness and graciousness. Let your reasonableness be made known to all men at all times. This stuff matters in the everyday, doesn't it? Titus 3.2 links this gentleness to courtesy. It says, be gentle and show perfect courtesy. Uh, I once heard courtesy described as kindness in the little things, as thoughtfulness in the everyday. How many times do you when you execute authority over your teenage son or daughter, how many times do you express courtesy to them, kindness just in small things? Sons and daughters, how many times do you simply show courtesy, thoughtfulness to your parents? Maybe, hey, I'm going to stop by here. Hey, would it be okay if I do that? These things produce peace in your life internally and in your relationships. The message says, let everyone know that you are on their side. This idea that I am for you, that I'm on your team. There's times we have to confront our spouses. There's times we have to be harsh with our children or firm. But imagine if we are in a practice of letting them know that we're for them. If we are constantly affirming them, how proud we are that they're ours. Then when you have to confront there's still peace. There's still this river of joy underneath an uncomfortable situation. Go on in the encouragement. I'm going to read this one in the uh, message again. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worry, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. 
Before you know it, God's peace will settle you down. So we're back to the equation, right? So pray, ponder, practice, peace. Most of us have an idea what prayer is, but I want to encourage you and I want to get into the habit of every time I have a concern, every time I fret, every time I start to worry, that's just my trigger to pray. When your stomach growls, what do you do? You go find something to eat. You don't worry about it if you have something to eat. You don't get all bent out of shape. You're like, oh, I'm hungry. What if it was that automatic? What if we were that sure of the relief with our anxiety? What if your anxiety, you see it, feel it ticking up? What if that was just your trigger not to eat but to pray? And you were sure it's there. You were sure it, God's peace was supplied. Totally changes the game. Praying, talking to God, listening to God, letting Scripture inform your prayers, letting Scripture shape your prayers. So when I'm trying not to be anxious about messing up the slides, I need to set my mind or ponder or pray on God's promises in His Scripture that you work all things to the good, that you're still with me, that you will accomplish your purposes in people's lives. See, I know some people who pray often, but all they do is complain in their prayers. They don't allow the truth of God to infuse their prayers, so they're certainly making their petitions known, which again, I think is good. But if that's all it is, is just asking of God, just whining to God, I don't think this peace that is promised is going to be delivered to you. And then it's twice as discouraging because you say, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. But even in our prayers, we can obsess on the wrong. Even in our prayer life, we can lock in on the problems where all I'm looking at is the trash in the river. Share your heart and then ask him to share his heart. A friend of mine tells me prayer means to exchange wishes or wills. Allow God's will to replace your will. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. There's promise there. Goes on in verse 9 to say this. You will do well by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. Set your mind on the best, not the worst. Set your mind on the beautiful, not the ugly. Set your mind on things to praise, not things to curse. This is the ponder part. Ponder means give attention to, calculate, meditate on, reckon, journal, discuss. Fill your mind on the good things. Fill your mind on the beautiful things. It's an ongoing thing. I have a great wife. Many of you know my wife. She's, she's fascinating. I often tell her she, she needs to tuck her cape in because superheroes wear capes. So I tell her, hey, your cape's showing, honey. And she is great. But there's times where she does stuff that upset me. There's times she does things that, that hurt me. There's times that she does things that I think are foolish. And next thing you know, if I start thinking on that, if I start obsessing on that, pretty soon I forget she even has a cape. Pretty soon I forget she's a gift. Pretty soon I forget she's in my life to conform me to the image of Jesus. Pretty soon I forget the myriads of things that she does to bless me because I am so 
locked in on the bad. I'm sure you can relate. Now, there's times that I have to address the bad. I have to confront the bad. But again, what are you going to obsess on? What are you going to dwell on? What are you going to meditate on? The things that you set your mind on start to do something to you. And it starts to do something to the way that you see the world. So let's obsess on the good. Practice. What's that mean? Most of us know. Do something over and over. The verb tense here is to continue to dwell on. To always dwell on. It's not a, hey, could you get in line for popcorn at the concession stand? That's a one-time thing, right? This says to ponder, to dwell on, always. When the scripture says renew your mind, it means keep on renewing. When it says take every thought captive, take captive, ongoing, keep doing this. Consider yourself or reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. The encouragement is over and over and over and over and over. And so pray and ponder. And Paul is saying, and we need to do those things all the time. And eventually, God supplies what? His peace. He says, okay, here's your part. By the way, I'm going to empower you to do it, and I'm going to do it with you. But here's my part, that God puts himself on the line to provide peace. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You, God, keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. He will guard your hearts and mind. Philippians 4, 9, The God of peace will be with you. I think it's uh, Philippians 1 that Paul's talking about taking hold of the promises that Christ has taken hold of him. So we recognize that God has us, that God keeps us, that God sustains us. And if we hold on to who he is, if we hold on to his promises, then all of these troubles that are in life will not overwhelm us. That I truly believe that we can, very realistically, rejoice in the Lord always. That we truly can be anxious for nothing. Prayer, practice. What was the other one? Ponder. What do we get? Peace. As the worship team comes up here, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for who you are in my life. I thank you for who you are as creator God, almighty God. I thank you for the little ways that you minister to our hearts, whether it be a deer in the road or a basketball game, or a phone call to a friend. God, you delight in making yourself known and showing off your grace. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, that we would continue to look upon your beauty, continue to look upon your goodness. That yes, we need to to problem solve and, and push through sadness and figure out the puzzles of life. But I pray that your goodness would constantly flow in our hearts and in our minds. And that we might rest, that we might breathe easy, that we might have peace. 
And once we have it within ourselves, I'm, I'm sure that we'll create it with others. Amen. Oh, come, all you unfaithful, come, weak and unstable, come, know you are not alone. Come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. Christ is Yeah.
Let's sing angels we have heard on high. Come on. Be a good way to go home, huh? Come on, lift it up. Angels we have heard on high. Sweetly singing for the rain. And the mountains in reply. Echoing their joy. Come on. you. Join us on Wednesday night and be sure to take those green cards. Are they green? Those joy cards. Invite your friends.